If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the 199th episode of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. Too many episodes. Aging Before Your Eyes, alongside Eden Ferguson. I am Pat Contry. Wow, we got to see you podcast like like never before. We literally show. are aging before their eyes. Yeah, we are, we are. It's it's been a while since well, we started the podcast. Well, I, uh, I I feel like I've aged fifteen years in the past five or six or however many. I don't know if it's because of me or not. Maybe a couple of years on the show today. We're talking about uh, Nintendo PlayStation up for auction. PS Five may be very expensive. Uh, Starcraft Ghost demo leaks online. Nintendo opening airport lounges and Q and A as well. Real quick, Ian. Sir. It's been out for a week, getting good reviews. Ian liked it. Not for resale, video game store documentary. It's available on Vimeo at 4K. Sports on Vimeo. Because Amazon takes a big chunk. It's on Amazon, though, if you want to watch it on Amazon. Or you can get the Blu-ray and digital download at notforresalemovie.com right there. Um, all the all the kids are talking about it. They are. All, all the kids. Lots of there. kids online just chatting away about it. The Reddit, the Reddit trailer has a, had a thousand upvotes yesterday. So there you go. So people, it's interesting the conversations that people are having. Don't even talk about the movie. It's more like, uh, you know. What's a Reddit trailer? The trailer on Reddit. Oh, okay. There's a Reddit stream, a Reddit uh, thread with a trailer. But it's interesting that a lot of the people just immediately go to why uh, digital sucks when they even hear the movie being brought up or they go into a debate about well you know these game stores are charging too much money for these games and it has no- nothing to do with what's in the movie like almost like, at all but, but but it's fine it's still, it starts a conversation at least um and so uh the movie is going to be shown at pax east february 28th 8 p.m at the bobcat theater it's also going to be shown ian announced t- today at gdc Developers uh, game uh, game developers game developers conference, conference yes. not, not DGC. I, I I can't think to this morning. Ian sees it. Um, it's going to be shown. It's kicking off the uh, GDC uh, uh, film festival. It's going to be that Monday at, in the afternoon. I believe at like one thirty on March sixteenth. There. So if you're at GDC in San Fran, check it out. It's also going to be at Midwest Gaming Classic, uh, April third, fourth, and fifth. Along with me, I will be there as well. Uh, there. So good news there. Ian, did you, get, did you check out the NBA All-Star game? I saw a little bit of it, yeah. I was out uh, Sunday night. It was good. The fourth quarter was very entertaining. Yeah, it was. They actually play like it was a real game that mattered. And I yeah, guess, I haven't seen that in forever. Never. Yeah. And I guess it, it, I guess it helped because the kids that they were um, playing for charity for for each quarter, the way that the NBA All-Star game worked this year, people don't know, is that they basically divided the game into four four quarters, and that they reset the score after the first, second, and third quarters. So whoever won those individual quarters, I think, raised a hundred thousand dollars for that charity. But the kids for both charities, for both teams, were were literally sitting around the court. So, yeah, like so the pressure was on. If I was a millionaire looking at these kids that wanted a buck for like a, a school book, yes, I'm going to play harder probably. Uh, and then at the fourth quarter, what they did to honor Kobe Bryant also to change it up. I, I believe Chris Paul had the idea, it was reported, that they took the cumulative scores from the third quarter 
Uh, so they did count the individual quarters, and then they added 24 points to the highest score of whatever team had it. So it was to that score. So it ended right. up being the first team to 157 points. So it was an incredible game because it was like a, it was like a, watching a game on the streets or at a park because you know it's like playing the 21. So they so. So like they were complaining about the fouls being called and people are taking people are taking charges in an all star game. You don't see that right. happen and playing defense. Giannis had two big blocks on LeBron in the in the fourth, and defense was being played, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. The weather in your house today is weird. It's like balmy. I I don't know. I've gone from hot to cold twice since I've been here. Really, it's something's weird. going on. Is, yeah. is it Luigi? Because Luigi can't uh, figure out who clogged the toilet yeah, behind can't, you. Can't figure out how to work the fucking thermostat. I I turned off the heat, Ian. No, I'm not. I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's just it's ghosts. Obviously, it's I believe ghosts? in ghosts now. You do believe in ghosts yeah. now because now of that. I do because of the weird weather even patterns. Though, in even your though house. this house has no ghosts, because I would feel it if they did. So oh. no. Okay. Um. And and real quick, Ian. Before we get into talking about a, re- a real movie series that might happen or a movie, uh, I've, I've been on a police academy kick the last four days for some good weird old reason. Steve Gutenberg. St- Steve, when Gutenberg- is he out of those? Isn't he after like- four? After four, okay. He yeah. want- so uh, I've been I've gotten into the police academy lore the past weekend, like researching about what's been going on. Uh, a police it, academy it, deep dive. Yes, because it's interesting. The characters there are characters that weave in and out throughout the series. Yeah, there's a uh, what's the guy's name? A uh, uh, Fackler. Who's like the dorky guy in the first two and a half? Then they replace him with Sweet Chuck, uh, the sh- you know the very short actor. Mm-hmm. But then he comes back. Uh, Fackler comes back for the sixth one. They bring him back. It's like oh, it's like oh. Really? I'm saying mm-hmm, nodding my head like you I know, actually you know, know any of this shit. But but the point is is that like there's a lore to it, and there's things that happen in every police movie that's so strange. Like there's a there's a, a, a random blonde love interest in like every movie for the most part that changes every movie. And so Gutenberg's not in Police Academy 5, Mission Miami Beach, but they replace him with, like, a Steve Gutenberg light, a Commandant Lassard, you know what Commandant Lassard is, he's a goofy, funny yeah. guy who likes yeah. golfing and goldfish. His, like, nephew takes Gutenberg's place, I guess, because Gutenberg dropped that, so then he's in 5 and 6 instead of Gutenberg. I like Steve Gutenberg, but Steve Gutenberg's kind of light to begin with. Yes, you can say Steve Gutenberg's <laughs> like a, a Bill Murray light-ish sort of character. Man, that's a lot of... I, I, he, I don't want to be mean no, to no, Steve. I don't mind Steve Gutenberg. I, he, he's I, a, he's like a lighter version of Bill Murray. He's I don't like, know that I ever would have brought up Bill Murray and Steve but he's Gutenberg. Not as, but they, they portray the same sort of like earnest but still sarcastic sure, yes, protagonist. That's that's I'm thinking of like Ghostbusters. He's like... So, so the whole point is this, is that it's an insane series of movies because they came out with one a year for six years. 84 through 89, there was a Police Academy movie every year. I don't think you're ever going to see that again with any movie. Having like one per year, even like scary, you know, even Saw didn't do one a year after a while. And even like the um, uh, Fast and Furious, like every two to three years. It was the Fast and Furious of the 80s, Police Academy. How, so how many? Yeah, Fast. Yeah, you're right. How many police academies were there? They did seven. They seven. Did, that's they what did, I thought. They did okay. Mission Moscow in '94. By that point, though, it was done. They got rid of like um, in that one. High Tower wasn't in it anymore. Uh, Hooks wasn't in it anymore. So they they basically uh, Michael Winslow was still in it. So the, the core the core characters were gone. There's like the four or five core characters that are in just about all of them. It's like it's Fast and Furious of, of the '80s. That's what I came to the conclusion of. Just about every character is in like the, of the cores in the first five or six. They released a DVD set with uh, four of them. 
four film favorites. Police Academy 1 through 4 collection on DVD released in 2009. First four films. First two films are on their own discs. And then the three and four just shared a double-sided uh, yeah. DVD. The, the weird thing, other thing about these movies is that in the mid-80s is when we got PG-13. I think it was 84 is when PG-13 came to light. So you had nudity. The first movie was rated R. The first one we had more like gags and sexual stuff than the rest. Then they went to PG-13 for the second one. There was nudity in the first 10 minutes of, of the PG-13. Two girls on, on the beach, there's like a guy riding a, a, tr- a truck. They get up and they're topless for like a full second. You're like, you, you wouldn't see that anymore. Oh, no. Um, nude, yeah, the, the, the ratings the ratings have changed, changed a lot in yes. the past 20 years. Yeah. And then also, it wasn't it wasn't the... They changed the bad guys too in the second and third movie. It was... It was um, uh, Sergeant uh, Commander uh, Mauser in the second and third one with Proctor. So he's naked with his butt. There's a joke, the most famous joke I can please come at too is that they super glue his, his, his hands to his uh, head in the shower. Yeah. He, he comes out, you see his bull, uh, bare ass. PG-13. And then in Police Academy 4, I know the lore, Police Academy 4 is PG by that point. It's PG. I mean, this isn't really lore. This is just... Deep dive. PG-13, excuse me, just PG. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the buxom uh, tough blonde Callahan, who all the guys are, are you know slobbering after, um, she go- she goes in the pool uh, to train four citizens on patrol. They're training the citizens. She jumps in the pool right. with a white t shirt and she comes up. Who wants to rescue me? And you can see everything. And this is a PG movie. And of course, all the male recruits dive in and, and like chase after her. I'm like the, you you don't see this nudity in PG movies anymore. Like you just don't. PG, like Ian said, it was different for a while. It was just PG and R and G. Now there's like, now PG-13, you can blow someone's head off and who cares? Right. But don't show a boob or a butt. Like that's, whoa, that's unnatural. Never a nipple. Never a nipple. That's that's the, that's that's, there. that's, that's the motto. So what I, so what I was going to come down to is that I got caught in the police academy like vortex for some reason. And now I want to see a re- reboot with Steve Gutenberg come back, which they're planning, and he'll be like the commandant role probably. I was going to s- say that. I mean, that's it's bound to happen. But that was a big series in the 80s. We forget about that. Like, that was a huge series of movies because they were cheap. They were they're harmless. I, I wouldn't say they're funny. They're like harmless movies. No one gets shot. It's goofy police people. And there was a cartoon that was on for a couple years too. Yeah. That, and a toy line. Sorry, Ian. I'm sorry I deep-dived in the Police Academy, but I, I hadn't thought about Police Academy in like 20 years. And then I was like, okay, this is a thing again. I'm, I'm in. And Kim Cattrall, and Kim Cattrall was in the first one, and Sharon Stone was in the fourth one. I knew Kim Cattrall was in the first one. I did not know about Sharon Stone in the fourth one. And the thing is, I know I've seen the fourth one, because you said that's the Citizens one, That's right? where the series probably peaked in popularity, where people were like, oh, this is like a big series. Yeah, I swear. Three I mean, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen the first four. That's where you. I don't stop. think I ever saw five, yeah. six, or seven. You don't need it. five. Was the worst one because five. They literally said, "Let's go to a, a, a hotel resort in Florida and we'll film our entire movie there." It was really cheap, <laughs> Miami Beach. I, I know why Gutenberg decided to step out. Plus, he was doing Three Men and a Baby at that point, and that was like gigantic. Those movies. So come back, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. What happened to Steve Gutenberg? I don't know. Harmless. Yeah. He was. A, he was a good actor. In those for those roles. So right, sorry, Ian. I saw a movie this past week. Wasn't Police Academy Four? Wasn't Police Academy Four? Police Patrol. I saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I would have been there on opening night, even without the remake. Uh, for those who who may not know, uh, my, my wife is a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Without the remake, mean the redesign? Re- yeah, without the redesign. Okay. She's a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Uh, loves that little guy. Um, <laughs> has every issue of the comic, every single issue of the comic, all the covers. 
uh, you know, the, full the, variant. The, the, the house is <laughs> is full of Sonic the Hedgehog memorabilia. So even with the original um, monster, uh, the the lanky, uh, the human teeth version, the the I'm going through puberty right now all at once model of Sonic the Hedgehog, she would you would have been there. We would have been there. We would have okay. had to have seen it. Um, but they did the redesign, and we went, and I was not expecting anything from it. I was expecting it to be bad. Um, and well, you know what? It was, uh, it was actually pretty good. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and I guarantee you in the comments section right now, people are going to be losing their mind about me saying it's good. Uh, I have a feeling some people are going to... People always think I hate everything. Well, I didn't hate the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> I didn't hate the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, it has nothing to do with the games. Nothing. Like, whatsoever. I mean, very, very little. I mean, okay. there's no Chaos Emeralds or anything like that. I mean, there's Ro there's Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. Is there a reference to the Chaos Emeralds? I don't believe so. Okay. But, I mean, it, it, you know, it doesn't take place in the video game world. It doesn't take place in, in the zones. It doesn't take place on Angel Island. It takes place on Earth. And um, I, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do with the games. But by... This is how it works. By taking the character... Giving the character a good voice actor in Ben Schwartz and kind of sticking it into this template movie. It's a uh -huh. buddy road trip movie. Sure. Um, they sidestepped one of the biggest problems, I think, that comes about with video game movies. Mm -hmm. And that is trying to find a way to make a video game story work on film. Sure. Which it oftentimes doesn't. Um, the film is very from point A to point B. Uh, it moves fast. It's non-complicated. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah. It, 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 it's... Oh, it's a road trip movie, right? Yeah. That's it's how it's structured? It, yeah. It's non-complicated. It moves fast. Um, it's a very simple film. They're going to get from point A to point B with some stops along the way? Yeah. And that works. Uh, like I said, it's not like, you know, uh, a faithful dramatic retelling of, you know, the comic books it, or anything like that. Without giving away spoils, is there a reason why they have to, like, ride in a truck across the U.S. versus Sonic just, like, you know, going quickly? Yes. So he doesn't know where San Francisco is. Okay. And initially what happens is uh, he gets shot in the legs with a tranquilizer gun, so he can't run. But he doesn't know where it is. And the cop knows where it is, so the cop's driving so him there. That's the, that's and they the, have to get the, to San Francisco because he has... he has. This is all the setup of the movie. The gold rings are weird. gateways. To, to Sonic's land? Basically, he escaped from his land in the opening, and then he's been living on planet Earth in secrecy, okay. uh, spying on the people in this local town. Uh... So it's, so it's like an E.T. movie. It's an alien movie almost. Yeah. Basically, he yeah. opens the gate after he gets shot in the leg with the uh, the tranquilizer, and he drops the um, rings through it. And he drops them to San Francisco because he thinks of San Francisco because the guy's wearing a San Francisco shirt. Okay. Anyways, so they have All to right. drive and go get it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's... And Robotnik wants it because then he can go... Robotnik the, is government. And the government forced then he can get the rings to use as a power source or what have you. Right, exactly. Okay. It's fine. It's it's a it's a it's a device. It's a way to get Sonic a, a Sonic movie made for as cheaply as you can probably do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, there there were jokes that hit. There were jokes that definitely didn't hit. So good voice acting. Yeah, good. Uh, ben Schwartz was great. Um, uh, Tom Marsden was was good. 
James Marsden. James Marsden was good, and uh, Jim Carrey was fantastic. Yeah, Carrey looked like he was carrying it in the trailers. Like, I, I mean, he was he was he was fantastic. He was nineties Jim Carrey again, basically. And uh, Marsden was good too, uh, especially considering that you know he was acting off of something that was not there for the majority of his his filming. Sure, they're probably cueing him lines or what have you. Right. <clears throat> um. So yeah, it was enjoyable. Um. They set it up for a potential sequel. Was there a Tales cameo? Yes, there was a Tales cameo. In the beginning? Uh, no, at the end. At the end? Uh, it's, the, it's the post credit scene, and okay. people people lost their shit in the theater. And if you see... Well, well I mean, like, you didn't expect that to happen, though? I mean, well, I think the big thing was, A, Tales looked good, um, and B, it's the uh, voice actress that's done his voice, I think, since Sonic Adventure. So it's okay, like so it's, it's, a, it's a big nod to the the fan community. But they didn't use the Sonic voices. No, the they didn't. One. So it, okay. it's the voice that they were expecting. Um, yeah. Will I mean, the sequel be in Sonic's land? I have a feeling that they'll probably do that. Yeah, they'll actually they'll, spend, find, they'll find a way to go into something a bit more they'll, they'll, imaginative. They'll find mo- a way to spend money to have a whole animated world. Yeah, this was like the tease. This was the test to see if people want to see a Sonic movie for as cheap as we can probably do it. And now we'll do a full movie. There was amusing little knocks at Mario Brothers throughout. Um, really? Well, the, the 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 place that he could escape Earth to, if it got to be you know bad enough that he needed to escape, that was the whole point. He was going to go to this next planet where his you know whatever he'd be safe and, and earth would be safe uh it's a boring mushroom planet with nothing but mushrooms <laughs> that's what they yeah oh, that's not a shot that's funny it's a cute little reference yeah so 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 they're they're already bringing uh, like a video game cinematic universe potential with that uh-oh um, <laughs> they're gonna have mario versus sonic a lot of olive garden references that was unfortunate what do you mean? Because that was a sponsor of the movie. Yeah, that was yeah. Olive Garden very much was what, making. Money was it as bad as Super uh, a, a Super Man of Steel? Where like there's an IHOP that they go to. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Times? I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's bad. It's bad. It, it, yeah, they yeah. show up. They, they, Olive Garden is mentioned twice. Do they, at do they eat at Olive Garden? No, they do not eat at. But, no, but just one step shy of that. Yes, it's like oh, I wish I had some breadsticks right kind now. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> God, kind of. We're so we, we've gotten so far from like a character just drinking a, a can of Coke in a scene to like now shoehorning in, and it's like it's not even like yeah, it's IHOP and Olive Garden. It's not like these like Mark. Mar- it was bad. In, it was bad in Captain Marvel too. I think people were just like, oh, because oh, it blockbuster, tied- blockbuster. But that blockbuster doesn't exist anymore, though. Right. Really. So um, that's well, true. Yeah. It's Radio like, Shack, yeah, you're right. They don't. Well, Radio Shack does. Technically it does. They got stores still. still. And, and there's like, and there's like one blockbuster left, but that's not a franchise. It's an individually owned store. So. Anyways, uh, it was an utterly like forgettable movie, but it was fun to watch like in the theater, which is more than I would have expected from it. And you, as a person, bar was so low. Yes, you just tiptoed over it. Yeah, I, I walked out happy. And honestly, I, I I enjoyed Detective Pikachu for what it was, but uh, Detective Pikachu because it tried to get a little bit ambitious with its plot at the end and got a little bit weird and fucky. Oh, uh, with the people change transforming and everything? Yeah, and all that. Uh, I would actually say Sonic was probably the better movie of the two. Wow. Yes. I want to li- live I, more in, in, in the Pokemon world, but honestly, I, I think be- with all of its simplicity, the Sonic movie was more enjoyable. To you. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I saw Detective Pikachu on a plane. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, no, I enjoyed knowing it Knowing next to nothing about it. And I, I liked how they made the world like a breathing, you know, living, breathing world. Or this is just like, well, we'll just we'll just uh, have half our scenes probably shot in the truck because it's cheap, and then we'll have Sonic get into trouble a few times in the movie and have a have a finale. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's more or less. Yeah, so I can I can write the movie like you know blindfolded. That's basically there. it. Um, so the budget was eighty five million. I'm I'm not sure if that includes the all the rework. From what I heard, though, not a lot of the work was done, so they didn't actually spend a, a huge amount of money more, right? On because because that trailer came out so f- long ago that. You know, you don't you don't like do the design in one scene and then just you know you have to do the individual work on different scenes. So, um, from so eighty five million, if that's the case, uh, we'll just say that the, the marketing budget was like thirty to forty million, probably or something like this. So we'll just say they put it a hundred and we'll just say they put one hundred twenty million to this. That means they got to break you know uh, a quarter billion to to break even on this yeah movie. And there's a chance. There's a chance worldwide it's at 113 million after the first weekend, so they're like halfway there. Yeah, they almost were. They were. Even. They were almost. Um, they were only projecting 40 million. 40 million would is, is what I was reading. They would for, have been happy US. with in the U.S. And I think they were on track to hit 57 or something. So it's exceeding Paramount's expectations. Yeah, if I look at the box office mojo by the Daily, I love box office mojo. We've got a great site. Yeah, over the and Thursday. Uh, let's see. Um, Let's see, Sonic. Yeah, Sonic did twenty-one million on Friday and twenty, twenty and a half. We'll just say another twenty-one million forty. It did fifty-seven million over the weekend. I do think wow. some of that is probably a, a, a feeling of goodwill. I, I saw a lot of people oh. online saying that they were going to go see it. They they weren't necessarily excited to, but they were going to go see it because they said if Sonic was redesigned, they'd go see it. And I saw that that was something that I saw a number of times on right. Twitter, and people did so. All right, maybe, maybe that I, worked. I could be wrong because I thought it wouldn't make a difference. I thought it's like, oh, I think people are going to see us no matter what, either way. I think they probably would have, but I'm uh, just saying what I what I saw. Okay, you know, what I oh, they also got the fourth day because I, mean, I keep forgetting. Yesterday was President's Day, so a lot of yeah. people got off. So I made twelve million on a Monday. I was like, why did I make twelve million on a Monday? That's insane. So it had a benefit of a four day weekend. So there's going to be a drop off. It's it's just that it's. I think when you, when you probably put in the endorsements and everything, this will probably turn a profit. I just don't know how much it's going to turn. You know, of a profit, we'll see. But it, it probably exceeded everyone's expectations. Like I said, the experts, I think, you know, said forty million. So, yeah, it did like almost fifty percent better. Pat math <clears throat> on there. Um, I was surprised when I read that it did more money than the uh, Detective Pikachu's first weekend. Yeah, that was surprising because I think you know that's a bigger property. It uh, is, uh, but I mean, I you know, I I don't think. Or was that too weird of a movie for some people? Maybe no. I I I, I think it goes back to the the original Sonic model and the redesign. Um, I don't think that it was a, a a work per se, but I think all of that um, focus on it probably kept it fresh in people's minds. Gotcha. It wasn't announced dead time released. It was announced, and then it was you know we so were hearing about it from the. I mean, they we got, got free marketing dollars by announcing <laughs> right. The, so conspiracy. This worked out in its benefit. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I think that this maybe did work out for the best. The outrage, the the, the outrage uh, worked out. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's fresh, barely, but it's fresh, sixty four percent. The consensus is fittingly fleet and frequently fun. Sonic the Hedgehog is a video game inspired adventure the whole family can enjoy, and a fine excuse for Jim Carrey to tap into the manic energy that launched his career. Is that? Pretty much, yeah, and I mean that's exactly what I would say. It's funny because while I could definitely see this getting a bad review, some of the bad reviews, I I feel like they were harmless. They were just like, well, no, the bad reviews like went out of their way to make it seem like it was like the worst movie ever. And I'm like, oh. I don't know what. Well, movie, I, I think like I think some people had the impression that they were they were just dead set on that's what it was going to be, and it's like at worst case scenario, the movie is harmless. That's how I would look. Well, at Well, the it. average rating from the critics 
was 5.78 out of 10. Right. So above average. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So even if you liked it and gave it a positive uh, on the tomato meter as a, as a reviewer, it's like, yeah, it's like a six. It's positive. I recommend it. But like barely. That's what it sounds like. It, it barely got over the hump. I saw some from some reviews that like probably the big strike against it was like you could have done this with this sort of movie with any other ca- right. sort of character. But th- what I'm saying or, is it's like the same family molded mold of a movie that. You just threw Sonic into it. I want people to be adventurous when they make movies, but with video game movies, we haven't even... It's the whole you-gotta-crawl-before-you-walk thing. We've barely started... I mean, so, they've barely okay. started crawling. By by dialing it back, by going this route, I think that was honestly why it succeeded on the level it sure. did. I, but I would make the argument that this is not... This has a video game character, but this since this is not based on any really Sonic games besides having it's not Robotics, truly a, it's not truly, it it's not truly a video game movie because if it was it would take place in Sonic's land, not on Earth. Is that well? That's like saying that the the Mario movie isn't a Mario a video game movie then because it's no, it's so not the, 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 the live action one. No, it's not. They are they're video game movies. No, I, I wouldn't know that that was like you. You know, Leguizamo and, and uh, Hoskins doing some weird ass artsy piece. When you look at the history, like the whole point is, it's like when the Super they were Mar- high the whole time. Oh, is that true? Uh, from what I've read, yes, they were. They were constantly high. <laughs> they had to be. Um, so the the point is, is that like when the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out, that's going to be like in the Mushroom Kingdom. Sure. It's going to be animated. This to me is not the definition of wow. Uh, you know, this can work because I think if you this was another character. It would still be a fun movie. Maybe it wouldn't have done the same box office, but you know, it, to me, again, it's a fish out of water thing. It's like this when this the, the Smurfs movie they they bring him out of Smurf land and they bring him to Earth. To me, then I have no interest in seeing it anymore because half the movie is like, oh my god, what is that? It's a little blue thing. It's like that's not why you like the character. All my respect and love to Andre, but the Smurfs are fucking atrocious. <laughs> I never got it. I understand why you could like the Smurfs. I just never personally got it myself. I can't. I can't. I've hated them since I, I was a kid. I like I like the uh, was it the snorks pro gargamel snorkels what are they snorks I like the snorks yeah because they're like underwater interesting you like gargamel and the cat Azrael I mean he wants to eat the Smurfs or whatever it is they want to eat them I don't know or just capture them and maybe eat them off screen maybe yeah eat them off screen okay that's still nasty all right well you can uh, you can argue with uh, Andre at SoCal. Uh, gaming Expo coming up uh, there. Check right. out mine and Andre's panel about the Smurfs, where we just you can, Hey, you can do whatever panel you want. <laughs> I can recommend it to the people running the convention uh, there. All right, any, any last thoughts? That's the only thing I'll say is that the, even the people that recommended I saw on Rotten Tomatoes were like, um, yeah, it, it, it's like, it's a copy and paste movie that you could have used other, you know, any other character. It, it's, yeah. it's a familiar formula, mm-hmm. which can work, because people like the formula. I'm just sort of you know the the road trip sort of movie to me though is is I'm just it's been done so many times that at some point you have to think of another formula to like, just drop these characters into. But a st- this is the, this is this is a good one. A stunningly above average video game adaptation. That's a good for yes. a video game movie. That's good. Stunningly above average. It exceeded your lower expectations. The movie was breathtakingly decent. Yes, it's a, it's a it's a five point seven eight out of ten. You're not going to ask for your money back. You're not going to think about walking out. Uh, there you go. All right, we're going to start the the main podcast. Yeah, but this is know. the borderline into main podcast. If you line. want out now, the audio just shut off. You want your Sonic talk? You want out now? All right, Ian Patrick. Um, the Nintendo PlayStation came up for auction after our last podcast. Sure did. We record once a week on Tuesday. People didn't know that. Not every other Tuesday, which we got killed for in the past. Um, so this is obviously being auctioned by 
by Heritage Auction right now. And um, it quickly raised to over $350,000 within the first few days when it came up for auction. The Nintendo PlayStation. Keep in mind, that does not include the 20% uh, buyer's premium, which is basically what they're paying to the house on top of that. Um, so, um, what I'm going to say about this is that I'm not surprised that this would go for a lot of money. This, as we know, at this point, is a one-of-a-kind item. Um, and by the way, yes, we know that Sony produced it. It's, it's, fun, it's better to call it Nintendo PlayStation. It makes sense. Uh, PlayStation prototype that can also play Super Nintendo cards. No, Nintendo PlayStation's fine. Um, this got a lot of uh, eyes on this the last three, four years. Uh, Terry and Dan Diebold uh, went to a lot of conventions to show this off. They traveled around the world. Uh, they raised the profile of it. Uh, you know, the past, yeah, three years uh, they've been doing this. So what I what I said, uh, I guess, to people I knew privately before this happened is that this will, to me, would not shoot up in value because of the people that are, you know, spending tons of money on the graded games. Uh, because, to me, this is a different sort of market. Uh, one of a kind historical piece is, to me, a lot different uh, than someone, you know, buying a sealed Contra. Um, to me, that's comic book people uh, getting into a new uh, new marketplace to find a new holder of value. This to me is not a holder of value like those pieces because this to me is again a one of a kind historical piece. This right. is going to go. This is going to be uh, going to uh, have yielding interest from from uh, rich people, celebrities that may not uh, normally normally be into this. Like the people that uh, made the, the Onus Wagner card worth a lot of money were celebrities. People like Todd McFarlane, people like, you know, Wayne Gretzky that are like, I want to, I'm a, a millionaire. This is interesting to me. It's, it's a weird one off. I want to put money to this. To me, this is the same sort of thing. You're going to have people with a lot of money uh, get into this that may not necessarily care about owning a, a sealed sticker seal, you know, gumshoe game. But to, to them, this is like a piece of history. Sure. In of itself. And so far, that's how it's kind of played out because, uh, Oculus uh, co-founder uh, Palmer Lucky came out and straight up said, I'm the high bidder right now. He came out and announced it publicly uh, there and said, I'm interested in this because it's a piece of video game history. So to me, that's where what to me what's interesting about this item because this to me um, would have succeeded with or without the craze with the sealed video games. Right. It's out, it, to me, it lies outside of that. It's not dependent upon that. Yeah, I don't think that this... I, I don't... I don't think that anything that's going on in the sealed and graded video game collecting world uh, has affected this really at all. Um, we're not in, like you said, by and I, I have my own thoughts on on it. But by seeing someone like Palmer Lucky bidding on it, this isn't going to the people who have the sealed Mario Brothers. This sure. is this is out of that out of that group. Yes. Out of that, you know, posse of people. This could be any random celebrity sees this and it's like, all right, I, I, I'm worth $50 million. I'll throw down, a, you know, a few hundred thousand dollar bid because, hey, I like I liked Nintendo. I like Sony. It, it'd be a centerpiece. You know, it'd be something to have, you know? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, my thing is, so Palmer Lucky is saying he's done lots of video game preservation. He's a preservationist. And I think lots of people are throwing this word around uh, now without necessarily knowing what that means or doing it. Um, if that's the case, I can, I mean, he can do whatever he wants with his money, but you could do a whole lot more preservation with the money he's looking to dump on this. Sure. Uh, Palmer came out with, with some tweets that were a little cryptic in terms of what he, what he plans or what he's behind the scenes, what he's doing. But, um, 
He did say on Twitter, I've done more video game preservation than almost anyone, often to a higher standard, standard than any institution I'm aware of. Yeah, I'm that, not... That's a bold claim. It is. And, and, it's, it's, and it, I'm not it, saying what Palmer's doing behind the scenes isn't good. We don't know what he's doing. But it's a bold claim because there's been a lot of preservation done uh, for decades now and a lot of work from people when it wasn't even seen as something of import to do. When it was like, well, I'm doing this because I, it might be important. I should save all this stuff. And now that we have, we have uh, you know, Video Game History Foundation, National Video Game Museum, we have the Strong Museum, now it's in people's, in, in our industry at least, it's in, it's in our heads that video game preservation is important. But it wasn't always there. Right. I, think it's, I think it's ballsy to assume that you're doing something better and more, and more of it than uh, you know, a, a group like the Video Game History Foundation. I also think it's very easy to avoid um, criticism by saying, I'm doing all these great things, but you can't see. Yes. Um, I can fly, but only when no one's looking. My guess, I'm, I'm, I don't know Palmer. My guess is that he's doing something, based upon his, his background, he's doing something more on the hardware side. Or maybe he's taking every old console and, and, and somehow getting, you know, 3D print versions of all, you know, of every console that's ever existed so that they survive forever. I don't know. Or, or maybe he's doing something connected to VR where it's like a, a, you know, a virtual system that you can play 100 years from now. That's what I'm thinking about, that he's thinking about the, the most authentic way of playing these games in their original form, when to me that's not necessarily the most important part of video game preservation, because to me the software side is obviously infinitely more important. It's, it's important that we know how, to, how you know, to play an original NES 100 years from now, but the software, if you don't have the software, you can't p- play anything on the console. So, like, they're both important, but the software to me is, is, is the side where things get more easily lost. There's always going to be someone that has an RCA Studio 2 out there that can probably repair it. You know, there's going to be one preserved somewhere. But the software, that's to me what's more important. Because be able to play that, share that experience. Because sure. that's what lives on in, in entertainment is, is the media themselves, not how you play the media. That's not the important part of the equation, at least to, in my opinion and to most people that study the, you know, this sort of stuff. Yeah, I, know, I just I I take issue with the you know uh, I'm doing this better than the institutions that are out there, and I'm a private collector. I to me that seems to butt heads very much so with the idea of game preservation. Well, well, the good thing is that though the, the other game preservationists out there and foundations that they they. they they don't have. They have no need for the Nintendo PlayStation anyway. Right. What they are they going to do with it? Right. And that comes back to what I said earlier. The only, the only like sad thing is to think about. You know, if, like I said, if you're a preservationist, well, think about all the the actual preservation you could be doing with this money. Yeah, but people spend the money the way they want to. That's, no, that's I, I, I get it. But I'm just um, saying, if you're going to call yourself a preservationist, then you have to think about well, it that. Well, way. this is a weird you thing. You can't have it both ways. Does Palmer coming out publicly is this to get attention on whatever he's going to announce for his video game preservation side? Um, or is this a bully tactic to get people from bidding on it? Or is it both? See, to, to me, by the way, since he announced it, this hasn't moved the past few days. It's still at... Um, what, 350, 350? 350. So it hasn't moved. But keep in mind, this is going to go until um, the live auction, I think it's, I believe it's March 6th. So after it ends online, there's going to be a live yeah, auction. It's portal. got some time to so go. This, this is what I'm going to say, and, and and this is what I say for any auction. You never announce you're bidding on something. There's almost no advantage ever to announce you're bidding on something because the bully tactic may not work because you might get troll bidders. Sure. I know this is heritage, so you get to put out you know, a credit card and file, but hell, what if you get like, you know, you, you get some bullshit credit card you don't care about or you can cancel or what have you, and you just bid it up, you know? To me, there's almost no advantage to ever announcing you are bidding on something publicly. 
keep that to yourself until you bid the last minute. You know, because there's no because bidding on any item early, whether it's eBay or an auction like this, it it only can increase the other competition and, and value to raise up. Because this going up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars meant that there was someone else that bid it up, whatever the, the mark was before that three twenty five or three thirty, whatever it was. So there's at least one other bidder that has a lot of money into this that we know of besides Palmer. Right. So this is a, a strange auction because. Um, this again, this is a one of a kind item that we don't that we don't know about. Um, obviously, Sony doesn't care about it. I mean, Sony can always like pull the car, like hell, you know, this is our item. It was never returned to us. A prototype. They probably don't give a crap though. But who knows? Maybe they'll bid on it, or or maybe you know, who knows? Sony's got money too. So um, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. So it's still at three hundred fifty thousand dollars plus a seventy thousand dollar buyer's premium at this point to four twenty. Uh, <laughs> four twenty. And the auction ends in 16 days, again. Um, but the live auction ends. I think it's March. I think it was March 6th. I gotta find that information there. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. March 6th is gonna be uh, a Texas auction floor at the at the Heritage uh, headquarters with, with live and phone bidders. So that's when it's gonna be interesting because then you can have some operators are standing by. No, that's how literally they do. It's like uh, my bidder bids. That's literally yeah. how these they ever see art auctions. Yeah. That's how oh, it yeah. works. So um, you're literally going to have potential sports stars. Um, hell, maybe you get some like NBA player that grew up with the PlayStation that's retired. It's like you know I want I want to put some money into this or some actor or some or someone with like you know some oil money that's going to say oh, I want to bid like you know a million bucks on this. We'll, we'll see where it where it ends up. I, I in my head I have no idea where it, where it could end up. Uh, maybe around a million, maybe more. It's, it's that it's that I guess the fervor of of the the live thing is gonna you know there's a psychology involved as well. Sure. We we do know that it was reported that um, Terry turned down one point two million. He's on record saying that in an article. I would have taken the cash and ran, just because maybe it's under the table. You get away with it, and you don't have to worry about potentially uh, paying the auction house. Split it up between six mayonnaise drives and bury you know one in the backyard of each of your like family members' houses. So that's have you, have you done that, Ian? With some right. points, yeah. I'm, I never. I'm I ne- hiding a fortune. I never buried money. You, you buried your paper boy money. Oh. <laughs> did you have a paper route? Oh, I did. You did paper boy, Ian. Yeah, I had two. <laughs> I had two paper routes. Doom. Dun, 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 dun. All right, paper anything else on weekends are miserable. <laughs> Anything else to add here? Do you have any any idea where you think this might end up, or it's just so hard to tell because you don't know who's watching this? I don't care. You don't care? No, <laughs> I do care. Um, I think it's going to end up in some dusty bedroom. Really? I, the you, metaphorical dusty it's bedroom. Gonna be, you don't think someone might win it and donate it to like the Strong Museum? I'd or? love to be proven wrong. Okay. National Video Game Museum won't end up with it. Love to see that happen. Here, here's the good news. Our buddy Ben Heck already documented the hell out of this. We, we told yeah. you before. In, in a series of videos... The, I, I believe the firmware was dumped as well. So, like, we, we know just about all we need to know yeah, about Yeah, no, this. I mean, Frank Sfaldi said that when this when it was announced months ago that this was going to be auctioned, that the good news is, is this has all been torn down and documented basically as much as it possibly could yeah. be documented. Ben documented every every chip that was on there, what, the, what it did. Yeah. He fixed the damn thing. Right. I'm not saying they would, but, I mean, the, the amount of documentation that's been done on it, they probably have enough specs and stats to rebuild the thing if they wanted to. Terry, throw Dan, throw uh, throw Ben a few bucks here you know, for fixing and doing good job there. Ben's not really doing that many videos, unless I heard. I got to look up and see what he's no, doing. No, he hasn't been for a while. He was kind of taking a step away from it. I like Ben. Anyway, all right, that that's it on this uh, topic. We don't know if there's um an owner's premium, uh, owner's premium as well. Uh, that's probably negotiated between the the you know the the you know uh, heritage and uh, Terry. But the twenty percent 
buyer's premium. Woo. Wow. That's how Heritage makes their money. Put something up for auction. We're going to make probably a few hundred thousand dollars on the 20% yeah. on this with the Pat math there. Uh, so, so there you go. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll do. We'll probably do an update when when it ends on. the We cannot 27th. terminate this topic, can we? Well, this is, we've been dragging this topic. Well, off. when should we come back to this after the final after, after. auction? Yes. Final, final. We're moving on. We're moving, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. The right. Sony PS5 is going to be expensive, Patrick. The Sony? What did you say? The Sony PS5 <laughs> is going to be expensive. It's looking pricey. Speaking of, speaking God of damn. Speaking of expensive consoles. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Bloomberg is reporting that the, uh, PS5, uh, is at about $450 per unit for manufacturing costs. Manufacturing cost. That's a lot, but I don't think people... So people people are saying it's going to be very pricey. It is going to be expensive, but I don't think that we can necessarily guess what the final retail price will be, um, from this. We can, we can make a couple educated, uh, guesses, I suppose, um... So I was wrong. We can guess. Absolutely wrong. We can absolutely guess the price of this. We can make some guesses. <laughs> we can guess. We can We're guess. We're allowed to guess. We can guess. Uh, all right. So um, I don't think Sony is going to be dumb enough to ever charge $600 for a system ever again. Did that with the first PS3. Did that with the first PS3. 2007. It, right? it, went, it went poorly for them. Poorly. Um, the uh, con- man- console manufacturers... I don't want to say they always do, but for a long, long time, it was known that they take a loss on the system sale because they make it up through game sales and licensing and stuff like that. Um, at 450 so if you look at what the PlayStation 4 uh, manufacturing cost was, um, According to it, article, was, it was 381 and The retail was 399 Yes. So, so they I took think a it's, loss at so, wholesale. Well... Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Not not a loss like they did on the PS3, though. Um, so if you look at that, I think it's safe to... You could guess that it could be about 500 I think 500 for a console is... You know, it's, it's not the insane amount that the PS3 was. It's more expensive than last generation. Um, I don't think the companies necessarily want to do that, but I think they may have to. That said, the PlayStation 3 was reported to cost like $802 or something at manufacture, and it sold for 600 um, eight hundred dollars. Yep, the two hundred, the twenty gigabyte PS3 sold for five hundred, but according to at least one teardown, cost approximately eight hundred and five dollars eighty five cents to produce. And what are they wholesaling those for? I don't know what they're wholesaling for. Can't be fifty percent. They would lose everything, right? Like, I guess, I guess they got to work that out with the retailers. What, what? Because the whole. Cause so you, all this is showing yeah. is that from generation to generation, Sony is willing to take a fucking bath. And also, uh, you know, make a little bit. So uh, what I'm getting at here is if 450 is the manufacturing cost, I think it's easy to guess that they will try to sell this for 500, but it wouldn't, there's precedent for them taking a bigger loss. They could well, sell it for 400. But Sony's not selling it. Stores are selling it. So the stores are not going to sell it, uh, buy it at whatever, you know, I, I, the stores, I guess, will make a big profit on this, but they got to make something. Otherwise, why are they going to carry it? Because that's how you sell games. They need to. Okay. I don't think. I don't think that the. From what I understand, the wholesale price of these systems was like next. There was like no there was discount. Next, and there's no margin. There was like yeah. There's there's no margin. There's no margin on new games. I mean, as a person who works in retail, I can tell you that the margin on new sealed systems and on new sealed games is next to nothing. 
We're talking it, almost it's fucking a, it, nothing. It's like a loss leader, basically, just to yeah. make sure people you buy You sell games. it because you need people to buy the games. You sell it because that's how you generate bigger sales around the so, holidays. Okay, so then, the, so then, okay, so the, no, no problem getting the stores, potentially, but then it's, it's just then how much money is, is Sony willing to lose? Right. And the gambit. So that's that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's interesting because at 450 you could make the guess that it's going to sell at 500 but you could also say that, hey, maybe they would sell it for 400 because they'd be it'd be 50 less than what their manufacturing cost is. Well, they lost 200 on manufacturing cost with the PS3. So Sony's willing to lose money on the manufacturing cost. And the, the reason for this is uh, it's it's the, uh, the flash memory, it looks like. That's what it's going to be because... Flash memory is a lot more expensive. It's come down, but it's still a lot more expensive than a you know a regular you know hard drive um, there. So that's looks like well, that's what it's going to be. DRAM and the the NAND flash memory, according to the uh, Bloomberg uh, article here. So, um, well, I didn't realize the PS3 cost that much at the time. Holy crap! But this is what happens when you want to get closer and closer to cutting edge, and it's not a computer. Computers are more expensive. You know, you're going to get dangerously 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 tiptoe to the line where it's like, wow, we're not that much less expensive than a computer to do these games. You're, you're getting closer to that point once you get up to like six, seven, eight hundred dollars Sure. You know, it's always that, oh, consoles are cheaper and they, and they you know, do the gaming easier. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft, uh, what the fucking new Xbox is gonna... Um, Xbox Series X. Don't care. It's the new Xbox. <laughs> um, what the new Xbox is going to look like. Because everyone's assumption is that it's going to be more powerful under the hood, and therefore it's probably going to cost more. So, you know, we're either looking at a situation where these companies are going to be taking, you know, sizable losses to keep consoles in the price range that people associate with a console, or we're looking at another generation of high-priced systems, which I don't think would work out well for either of them. People within the PlayStation business unit said a key factor in deciding the ultimate PS5 price, retail price, will be where Microsoft sets its price for the next generation Xbox Series X. Microsoft is widely expected to hold that information back until E3 in June. So we, we may not know until after that. Might be a whole uh, Sega Saturn, uh, uh, you know, PlayStation sort of thing. Yep. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it a hundred bucks cheaper. Right. <laughs> Well, that that was a bigger deal back then with inflation, of course, three hundred versus two hundred or whatever it was, or no, four hundred versus three hundred. Yeah. Um, nowadays, that's it's not as big a deal. Six hundred versus seven hundred. I mean, psychologically it is, but it's not the same same sort of uh, price jump. Sure. Versus that. Um, okay. Well, what do you think? Do you think uh, you, you think Microsoft will say screw it? We'll just try to keep it as low as possible in order to hurt Sony more. Uh, I mean, I'm not like a business analyst. I'm not great at this stuff, but I I think they're probably both going to shoot for 500 in the retail. 500 range. max. Yeah, I I, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But not 600. That's like the. I think 600 is has out. already been shown to be a kiss of death. I don't think. I don't think. I mean, I don't think either of these systems will approach 600. Okay. So Xbox might be a little more expensive. But they they both have the flash memory though, which obviously drives up the price. You know, and obviously the you know the GPU and everything is expensive there. Okay, uh, Ian, going back to uh, WADA here. This is a, a story off the of SNES Central that was alerted to me from Evan Gowan, uh, who does a lot of great preservation work on the Super Nintendo side, helping to get prototypes dumped. He writes a lot about it. He wrote a certain section for a certain Super Nintendo guidebook on unreleased Super Nintendo games. Uh, he's a good dude. Um, and he talked about. Uh, in this article on snescentral.com 
about grading video game prototypes. And that's something that um, I never liked slabbing uh, these prototypes to begin with. Right. I always thought that was weird to, to do that. They're not necessarily graded, but they're slabbed and authenticated, I'll just say, when they put them in here. Um, so th- in this article, talks about uh, this game called Spectre, a prototype for Spectre. Uh, S- a Super Nintendo game demo from 93-94 by Synergistic Software. I'm going to go to the eBay auction now. Um, uh, he said, Water Games promises to grade and authenticate any and all kinds of video games. It is sort of the successor of the Video Game Authority, but arguably with a much better connection to the video game collecting scene. I won't go here into whether or not grading is good for game collecting, but I wanted to discuss the grading of prototypes. I keep close track of any, uh, uh, SNES prototype auctions and sales, and a few water graded prototypes have started popping up in my searches. There was one that caught my eye, a graded prototype of Spectre. He then shows the Spectre uh, picture. On the back, there is a a rectangle, rectangular hole cut out right. to expose the board, the ROM board. He straight up says, this prototype is not a real prototype. The PCB pe- uh, peeking out is clearly a retail board, and the chips are exactly the same as the PCB documented on this site. Obviously, the card at one point hosted a prototype board, but now it is just a retail game right. in it. Those holes are cut there, so you have access to the prototype board, and basically they slot in the ROMs. They after slot in they, the chips. They, they, they burn you know, uh, the most recent image to them. Um, to me, this seemed weird, he says. As mentioned above, this caught my eye, and I was certain I had seen this particular prototype before. Good on Evan keeping track of this. <laughs> Encyclopedia of Super Nintendo prototypes. Luckily, I've been saving every single SNES prototype that I see on sale on eBay, an archive that stretches back nearly 10 years. Jeez. I went back, video game preservation uh, in a form. I went back and found an auction for this cart from 2019. The auction was for three games and sold for about $700. I would assume that the person who got this graded won that auction. Here are some close-up pictures, and it shows the picture. It's the same game, same label, without it before it was uh, slapped here. As, as seen, this is the exact same prototype. However, I was certain that I had seen it before that. It turned out to be very true. In 2012, noted prototype collector Dream TR sold a bunch of empty... He sold a bunch of empty cart shells. I've saved the images from that auction. He then shows the auction of the same Spectre Super Nintendo quote-unquote prototype uh, cart without a board inside of it. Yep. Uh-oh. The picture is a bit small, but it's clearly the same cart shell. The seller of the Great Inspector also had uh, the Mirror Wars cart up for auction briefly before, before taken down. So it is not just a second copy that looks similar. So there are several problems here. The PCB is clearly of the retail game and not a prototype. The hole in the cart shell clearly indicates that the PCB was not what was originally in the cart shell, and it once held a prototype board. The PCB was put into the cart shell sometime after Dream TR's sale in 2012. All these facts really goes to show that Wada has not done their homework on these prototypes. And he then goes into further about the problems with this lack of authentication. Here, this is this is horrible. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's a real embarrassing thing um, to be the you know the grading authority and then to get in and pass through a prototype that is, for all intents and purposes, fake. This is I, I've co- evidence comments to say that it was fake. I mean, inherit and water uh, responded. Water Games responded on February seventh. They've contacted me and acknowledged their error in authenticating the Spectre and Mirror Wars cart. So it's now uh, more than one because there was three that sold in the auction. So whoever got these three cart shells might have... I don't know the whole history of what happened to these cart shells, but at some point, these held prototype boards. Someone then said, you know what? I'm going to fake a prototype by getting a commercial board and throwing it in there and then pawning it off to someone who doesn't know better. 
which is fine, but then the authenticator has to then open up and see that, hey, this is a commercial board. Uh-oh. Right. This isn't a real prototype. And this is the issue I, get, I got with people back in Nintendo age back in the day. People would throw the words out like uh, prototype when sometimes it was just a sample or uh, even a demo cart, and sometimes those were commercial boards that were put in and sent out for review copies, too. Right. They're not always prototype boards. Just because it doesn't look like a regular cartridge, it doesn't look like the commercial release, doesn't necessarily mean the board inside is a prototype board. And and that's fine if you're talking about buying and selling a sample game, but when you're authenticating it, you got to open up the shell and look at the board. Yeah. And it sounds like something happened in this process where that something got dropped here. This one, you wouldn't have had to even open it, and you would have just looked at the back and gone, that's retail. Well, someone like Evan, the Hawkeye that he is, saw that. But the person, the, the problem is that now this gets auctioned, if someone doesn't, doesn't have the knowledge to know that, they get it, and now they're finding out after the fact through Evan on SNESessential.com. You know, like, this is, this is horrifying that this could happen. So... Yeah. And, and this isn't this isn't to totally slam uh, Wada for for dropping the ball here, but this is why to me it's always dangerous to get into this game of of of, of buying and selling collecting prototypes to begin with, and and paying exorbitant amounts because a lot of people doing this don't have the knowledge to know what the hell they're getting into. Yeah, as well. some stuff like grade the grading, uh, whether you you agree with grading or not, I I think it's just apparent with some of the stuff grading doesn't make sense and. Yeah, I don't know, very odd. Um, I mean, unless and, you just want to put it in a protective case. And this, and what, but you can buy on your own. Sure. You know, I've, I've done it. Uh, the VGA cases were great for the NWCs. Um, so the good news is that they're going to reach out to to Evan for, for, for future, you know, uh, authentication of prototypes, which is great uh, to do that. Hopefully you get a nice and healthy stipend. Um he, uh, Evan says, I still think it is, is a difficult thing to authenticate most prototypes because their history will not be known. For the SNES, it might be better than a lot of systems since I have kept close track of sales during the past 10 years. Right. Evan's the man here. Evan's the man. Um, I am not aware of anyone tracking prototypes for other systems. For items with a known history, authentication could provide benefits of ensuring that legitimate prototypes are kept track of. All right. So some, some devious uh, buyer made some money. With at least two of that we know, and I'm about the third one. Was it the third one? Mare Wars and Thunderhawk by throwing in retail boards um, into into these uh, shells. It's horrifying. Uh, t- to me, it's very dangerous to um, overvalue, even if they're one of a kind prototypes. Be very careful. Um, be very careful. It's a, da- it's a dangerous ground here. Again, not a lot of people. I mean, not, not a lot of people know about this stuff. It's tough to know about prototype boards and what to look for. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know where to start, you know. All right, anything else to add? It's just, it's just a strange thing, and, and and we know mistakes like this happen. They they happen with VGA. I I heard stories of VGA, um, you know, saying something was sealed when it really was resealed. I've heard stories about that. Sure. So so these things can happen. Well, I, this is part of the growing pains, I think, of of the the grading as well. I mean, these things are likely to happen. There's there's likely to be a whole lot more first embarrassments that hopefully will not sure. happen again. The other issue though is this, and this is, we're probably going to try to see this. There are going to people. There will be people that try to now fake factory seals on games. That we will. Try, this will be attempted. Uh, if yes, people try to fake them before, but they're always obvious. You will get people put money to try to doing a good one because now they see the money that's in the system that they can do it. Right. It's not worth. It's not worth it to spend. Uh, maybe ten thousand dollars to try to fake a seal when 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 a seal game's worth a thousand dollars, but if it's worth a hundred thousand dollars, Ian, I might try to do it. Yeah, and that's and it's always about the scale of that. It's worth my money to get it. You know, 
in and out, input versus output of uh, your investment. You're going to see this happen more and more. Because again, these, this is this is a uh, this is a uh, millionaire money now coming into this, um, to this sector of the hobby. It's not a new hobby, Vivian Clayton. This this specter. It's a specter we now see in the hobby. Jesus H. Check out sinascentral.com. Uh, Evan runs a good site. Lots of great information there. Prototypes, peripherals. There's some scans there. Chip arch- archive. You can get some Doritos there. Get some of Ian's uh, barbecue uh, wrap, wrap snack chips. Little Romeo barbecue with <laughs> my honey. Sorry, they're just Romeo now. It's just Romeo Miller. No, he's not little anymore. He's not little anymore. Okay. Ooh. Mm. You okay? Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> little little burp a little, 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 little gas. Um, so big, 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 big news out of uh, more, more preservation. More pre- M-O-A-R. More preservation. Uh, a build of StarCraft Ghost was uh, leaked to uh, the internet uh, just a couple days ago. Um, it's big. I don't think anyone ever thought they'd see anything on StarCraft Ghost, at least not for a while. Wow. StarCraft Ghost was a uh, game that was in development by um, Blizzard. Um, they were. Uh, it was announced in uh, 2002. And it was going to be a third-person shooter set in the StarCraft universe. Uh, It was going to follow a character named Nova, a psychic espionage operative. Nova. uh, Known as a ghost. And it was going to be... um, It was going to take part after the uh, Brood Wars, I believe is uh, what they said. Let's see. Set four years after the conclusion of StarCraft Brood War and cover a conspiracy about a secretive military project conducted by Nova's superiors. Um, it was big at the time. Uh, it would have been... Blizzard, for a long time, wasn't doing a whole lot on consoles. Uh, they, I think the for the longest time, the last thing was the Diablo on PlayStation 1. Before, uh, and then they did the StarCraft on... N64. N64. And I think that was it for a while that until, like until 96 they... 96 or 7? Until they came back with... Uh, until they came back with Diablo. And now Blizzard's on, you know, consoles frequently. Um, 98 was StarCraft on uh, N64. StarCraft was huge. This would have been something new for it. It wouldn't have been a real-time strategy. It would have been an interesting way to convey a story. And it was a game that was going to definitely be... Um, you know, it looked like it was going to be tailored to... Uh, consoles. In fact, I don't think it was even announced for PCs. It was announced for GameCube, Xbox, and PlayStation 2. Um, it was delayed a bunch. In 2006, it was put on indefinite hold. And in 2014, it was um, it was officially canceled. They, they, they canceled it like 10 years later? Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they officially put an end to it. They were still in the office. One guy was working on it in the corner. So uh, Andrew Borman from the Strong Museum, uh, Andrew's great, um, posted some screenshots of it. And apparently uh, a leaked access, uh, an Xbox build was leaked from a dev unit. um, And uh, there's a 13-minute clip of gameplay, although I think that's been taken down. And uh, there is, uh, according to this Kotaku article, the the build is available to be found online, so you can go through and play it. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's just it's another. Uh, it really is. This past year, past couple of years have been really good for this sort of thing. Game preservation. It's like everyone's got their eyes out for it. Um, and being a Blizzard property, I think this makes that. Um, e- even bigger. Plus, the game looks like it was. It a, good. The game looks like it was. You know. 
pretty far along. Stealth, so stealth I want action game, military game. So I really wonder, you know, what happened to get the the constant delays. They said the first delays hit because they were approaching the seventh generation of consoles. So maybe they didn't want to put it out on Xbox, sure, PS2 and GameCube. From it. They wanted to, you know, think about putting it on these newer systems since Blizzard is usually trying to, you know, push. Push thing, you know, the, the latest and greatest, the better graphics and things like that. Um, so, let's, so yeah. let's, is there a plot here that was ever released? Uh, I, I mentioned the plot. I talked oh, about Nova. the plot. Just, yeah. Okay, just the Nova. Nova uh, is the character, takes place after Brood War, a uh, secretive military project uh, being conducted by her, her superiors in the uh, Terran Dominion. Okay. Uh, equipped with thermal imaging goggles and a special EMT device for disabling electronic devices and vehicles. Focusing on stealth elements, um, complex complex combat system, it says it was supposed to be. Salt and sniper rifles, grenades, shotguns, and flamethrowers. Nova can engage in hand-to-hand combat and use these skills to eliminate enemy, thre- enemy threats quietly. If alerted, enemy characters will hunt for the player, set up traps, and, and fire blindly to nullify Nova's clothing device. It sounds cool. Interestingly, there was, uh, uh, even though the game was not released, there was a book released uh, giving the backstory of the character. Uh, that was before the game was officially canceled, but after it had been postponed. So there, there is stuff from this like storyline, you know, this project that was published. Uh, some vehicles in the game. So, okay, hover bikes. Okay, this sounds like this uh, w- would have been fun. It would probably would have done well at the time. Yeah. I would think. Mm-hmm. That that's when you got a lot of you know the mid two thousands. You got a lot of these like third person sort of games like that. Um, I wonder. I always wonder theoretically. If a comic went back and finished a game like this, even if it looks like a 15-year-old game, how well it would do? Would people still buy it and be interested in it? Even if it was like, you know, a $10 game. I think people would still want to purchase it. Oh, I think they price. absolutely would. I, I don't uh, think that that's necessarily the case for anything like that, but especially for something that like is StarCraft-related, yeah, I think it it would. It would do very well. And it's not something that maybe out of anachronistic, maybe like the, when Duke Nukem Forever finally came out, like, you know, 10 years later. Uh, this this if, if it builds in the part of the, you know, StarCraft lore, you know, She's wearing a very tight outfit, to say that. Yeah, it looks That's, like Samus is zero. Six. I was going to say, it's a very Samus sort of influence there. Um, there's a picture, obviously, Blizzard uh, went around trying to take a lot of these videos down, but there's one up right now with like 283,000 views right here that I'll probably show somewhere over here. Um, yeah, I always wonder that. Like, why would why not just hire someone else to finish it if they can, just for the hell of it? And, and, and honestly, with in this age of Blizzard's you know, bad PR. This could something like this could be goodwill. Be like, hey, we finished this game that money you guys might want. It's like ten bucks on whatever on Steam. Go play it. Right. You'll get a ton of people. Oh, that's cool if you do that, Blizzard. They don't think like that companies. They just think of okay, well, we have to put in this much money and we're gonna get this much more money out of it. No, no, no. Sometimes there's something called just, you know, marketing dollars and goodwill PR that you spend on. Blizzard hire me, I'll turn you around there. I'll turn you around when it comes to this. I don't want to work for Blizzard. Anything else to add? No. Would you Would you have played a game like this? It's not really my genre of game to play. I probably would have. You know, yeah, I, honestly, I probably would have. I, 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 I'd have more interest in playing it now than I would have back then. Just because it's like a lost relic? Sort of thing. No, I, I, also I'm playing more games than I was back at the time that this was announced. Okay, I, I was never into the, you know, Metal Gear Solid, you know, sort of stealth action game. That was just never my genre. Sure. Uh, never got into it. All right, Ian. Hot on the tail of Atari doing hotels. Nintendo is opening airport lounges up in a limited number of uh, locations at airports for a limited time. 
Okay. So beginning February 13th. It's already God, started. That was so. What? That was just so on the nose. What? Oh. Your, your, your timing there. Yes. At select major airports across the U.S., Nintendo is providing Nintendo Switch on the go pop up airport lounges featuring Nintendo products and opportunities for hands on time with Nintendo Switch and Nintendo Switch light systems this is it from the press release with comfortable seating charging ports and nintendo switch game demos playable in both handheld mode and tv mode these lounges demonstrate the convenience and joy that that the nintendo switch family of systems can add to everyone's on-the-go adventures some of the games that will be featured at the demo areas include popular titles such as uh zelda breath of the wild mario kart 8 deluxe super mario odyssey super mario party tetris 99 and others uh so there's four airports and, and this runs uh, excuse me, from February 17th to March 29th, uh, the Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C. Seattle, Tacoma, uh, Chicago, O'Hare, O'Hare, and... Dallas Love Field. Yeah. Um, major, you know, uh, Dallas is a major hub. Chicago is a major hub. Uh, hub. Uh, Dallas, uh, Seattle, I guess, is as well for international. So, well, and plus, Seattle is just... Oh, the headquarters. Yeah, obviously. Nintendo. Makes sense. Um, it, it'd be silly if they didn't have one there. Uh, so this is, you know, airport lounges, call them what you will. This is a pop-up advertising blitz, um, but it's a it's one that makes sense to me. Um, I always take, uh, you know, a portable with me on a trip. It's a, It's been, you know, whether it's a Game Boy or Switch or Neo Geo Pocket Color or Vita, I, I take something with me to, to play my Game Boy Advance. Um, and, you know, the Switch is incredibly popular right now, and to reach out and maybe get some more of that casual market again, uh, you know, what better way than to show, hey, uh, when you're traveling, it's nice yeah. to have something like this on hand. Uh, I think it's funny, some of the choices. Obviously, I think Mario Kart 8 and Tetris 99 are uh, pretty good options there. Um, but, you know, to me, it's funny thinking about someone trying to, like, get into some Zelda Breath of the Wild yeah, that's, you that's know, a at, at an airport lounge. Yeah, like, what are you really going to get out you're of that? Find, maybe find a sword before your flight leaves. Right. Uh, you know, Mario Odyssey <laughs> is somewhere in between there. Unless, you know? it's, unless it's a specific demo they create. Sure, the right. They, they could. They could do that. Obviously. Um, I, I, yeah, that's just one that's funny for me. But like Mario Kart, yeah, easy to, you know, get yeah. in, get a couple races and pass some time. So I do think it's an interesting idea. And I think it's particularly well suited to Smart. the Switch uh, because of its portability. Um, you know, something like this, if it was Sony or Microsoft wouldn't make nearly as much sense to me as it does for uh, Nintendo to do this. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know about how much it's going to cost them. I mean, I see all, all weird stuff in, in uh, airports all the time. For Nintendo, this is probably... Like, they're getting a lot of bang for their buck out of this, in my opinion. Because, like you said, like this is the environment where, like, hey, this is how you can use it at the airport. Why don't you use it at the airport? These are you know? these are big airports. They're going to have a lot of eyes lot of, on it. It's e- a, and even if they don't play it, they're going to see these kiosks. Be like, oh, Nintendo, what's it's a, this? It's a product that a lot of people already associate with travel and makes sense for people who don't associate it with travel. They'll see the reasoning behind it. Um, yeah, and, I, I think this will this will do well for them. And from a from a marketing demographic standpoint, if you're traveling a lot. Um, and going through these airports, you have the money to buy one. That's just a common sense thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I mean, I'm a businessman or maybe a businesswoman and you're traveling around. Oh, there's a Switch. Oh, Nintendo. Right. I remember playing Nintendo 30 years ago. Maybe I'll pick one up. It's just a, it's almost like a no-brainer uh, that I'm surprised no one thought about this before. We, we've heard about you know having gaming lounges, but to me that's so weird and nebulous. It's like, okay, it's a gaming lounge. This is a targeted... Uh, you know, targeted marketing and advertising, and people try out a device that you can then sell them. 
Right. I, it doesn't say anything about them selling it. Uh, and honestly, I'd, I'd almost be surprised if they did, although it would make a lot well, of sense. Well, not saying there. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. But a lot of times when, when, when companies do something like this, it's not actually a retail thing. They actually talk about how, you know, you'll get a $10 coupon for Target if you make a $75 Nintendo purchase. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. To take like 10 bucks, But the purchase at Target. So I don't think they'll for- be doing any selling there. You get a free Nintendo Switch branded luggage handle wrap. I, I want that. Let's 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 go let's go to the airport. Let's get it. No. <laughs> um, receive you receive a free carrying case with their order, huh? Oh, you can order the systems there. So you can order. Okay, so they'll, they'll probably order. have someone yeah. swipe your card and they'll have it delivered to you. Fair enough. Okay. Unless they have a bunch right there, but then you got to take it on the plane. I don't know. That I don't see them doing. I just don't think. That, I mean. It, wouldn't hurt them if they did, but yeah, that's says, just not something that it you says order see. not purchase. So it's probably not on hand. Yeah, I mean, you go to a place like Comic Con or something like that. A lot of times when companies are doing these big, you know, demo displays, they, they don't sell anything there. It's just it's marketing. Okay, they can order, uh, order select Nintendo Switch games, Nintendo merchandise. All right, this is interesting. And there's four, and then who knows if it works out? Maybe they expand them to, you know, how many other international airports? You know, maybe San Diego, maybe L.A. would be a good one. Probably uh, all international ones obviously get the most traffic. That makes that makes the most sense. I'm surprised they went to Love Field because that's not the international one. I thought the other Dallas one is the international airport. Maybe I don't know that. I usually fly into the other Dallas one. I mean the gigantic one. And they're both big. But you ever been in the Dallas airport? No, it's gigantic. It's one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever been in that. Um, so all right, that, that's about it. Not not to kiss Nintendo's ass, but this is a very smart move uh, to do this. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Right. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. Doot, doot, doot. Uh, full video thing of a jig. Doot, doot, doot. doot, doot, doot. Uh, writing probably tomorrow. Uh, we got a poll topic. Poll topic. Ian's going to do a Google Hangout this weekend as well. I am. All right. Another close one. We're picking the good topics. There's, there's no like third party here. These are like, this is great. In third place, 26%. Will we ever see another major console that is not Nintendo slash Sony slash Microsoft? 26%. In second place, at 36%. Movie slash TV properties that should not have been made into video games. And in first place, at 37%. Just trickle dot in. Is there a sport slash activity that does not have a prominent video game that deserves one? You start with this one. You've got some ideas. I had a couple. Uh, and now the one escapes me. Um... I thought about it first. Uh, there's a, there's a game that they play in the Olympics that we don't play in the U.S. Really, I mean, there's a team, but a handball um, is it a fun game. It, it's kind of like soccer, but you're throwing the ball. I love obviously. handball. I used to play it in gym it, class. We never, I never played that. I didn't know where there's a court around. I'm sure San Diego probably has a club somewhere. Um, but then I looked online. There is like a modern handball game. It's not like a problem, but there is one that looks like a modern sort of EA style sports game. So we have that. Um, and then I started thinking about weirder stuff that maybe deserves one. Uh, there's a lot of people that are into like ultimate frisbee. I, I don't, I'm not aware of an ultimate frisbee game. Uh, I know I'm fairly certain there has been, but, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned it because I was thinking, uh, frisbee golf. Okay. Uh, because- Something frisbee. I, I don't know about any ultimate frisbee video. I'll put it in. I, I, I haven't heard of one. And not that that would do gangbusters, but that's been growing more and more the past one, there, 20 years. I, I swear there was one like on a, uh, there was like a really cheap, shitty one on, I want to say like, there's a Reddit thread from 2015. Are there any Ultimate Frisbee video games out there? There was Layout Ultimate 2006. It was the perennial <laughs> classic, but I was never able to get it to run on Windows 7. 
Uh, apparently, there was one for iOS devices. So maybe that's market enough. I'm not, I don't want to do your marketing for you, but maybe that's you know one that could be fun. Yeah. I'm not even a frisbee fan, but I know I knew people in college that played. I fucking love frisbee. I love right. I love throwing. The I never frisbee could throw around. the frisbee properly. Oh I'm really? An idiot when it comes to that. And it was like the one athletic activity that I could do. All right. I, I, I could throw a goddamn frisbee. Let's join some local uh, frisbee team. Let's get into it. Um, but yeah, frisbee would be good. I was thinking frisbee golf or ultimate frisbee was one that I was thinking of or ultimate flying disc. You know, whatever they they call. Oh, they it. can't frisbee because frisbee. Remember, frisbee. That, that, that's the trade name. That's what the Nerf name or whatever. Did they buy um, that. Lacrosse. There's been some lacrosse games, but they've never stuck with it. Uh, there was, I believe, there was one on the original PlayStation. Okay. Um, and then during the uh, Xbox 360, PS3 era, there was a couple of lacrosse games. There was a, a lacrosse game that a guy was making that was on Xbox Live Arcade, and it was a small. Um, it was a small production, like a, a small team, but they did a really nice job of it. But I think they released two years and then stopped doing it. That's interesting because to me, lacrosse is very entertaining to watch. It's it's obviously it's formatted kind of like ho- ice hockey, or or you know what I mean. It's it's you got the same goal you can go behind. It's fast paced. It's fast paced. Uh, it's very very physical. You can smack the guy. You can you smack him with your with your what's it called the stick. You uh, smack him. It's very physical. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would. I think it would translate extremely well to a video game. Sure. Uh, it was. It had a lot of popularity. I think at least when I was growing up in the late nineties. Um, Should have played in high school. Should have played in high school. But in uh, San Diego, just got a lacrosse team. Oh, the, the seals. Oh, the seals. Do okay. you ever see that huge banner on Sports Arena? Yes. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's okay. the lacrosse team. Uh, you know, let's go watch it. Let's go watch a game. Uh, well, Buffalo has a team, and they're one of the best teams, the Buffalo Bandits, and they've been around for a long time. A lot, so, of, a lot of Bandits in Buffalo? So John and I uh, have always, my friend John Jersey. and I, who I do uh, extra <laughs> napkins with, have always said that, and we never have, but we've always said that we would go see um, we'd go see the Bandits when they played with the Seals, and we never have. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised about lacrosse. Lacrosse is, it's not... I can picture it being very popular in other countries, but it's not—it's not like no one plays it here. A lot of high schools play it. A lot yeah, of colleges. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's high school sport. But, we don't, but it's obviously professionally, no one cares about it here, really. Um, I was thinking about dodgeball. Obviously, there's like cartoony dodgeball games that come out all the time. There's not like a real dodgeball game. Sure. And dodgeball has grown a lot, especially after the movie came out. There's a lot of dodgeball leagues. I wonder if that's yeah. And what, that... what was that like? You were part of it at one point, but what was that big like? Uh, I was part of it. The um. <laughs> I mean, it was part of it. That, like, social get-together-and-play-games thing that you did. The, the local San Diego one, yeah. Yeah, but it has a name. That, that's a nationwide... That was, like, a nationwide thing. Like, I can't Oh, is it? Yeah, fairly oh, certain. God. But, uh, yeah, there was, like, a... 2010 I did that. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. Holy shit. Yeah, it was, like, a dating social thing. It wasn't dating. You made friends. friends. You yeah. went out for beers afterwards. But you're saying that, that uh, those, or, like, local organizations helped grow the sport. Yeah, that organization has it's a name, and I'm fairly certain they're, they're national. And, yeah, dodgeball and kickball were the two big ones that people always signed up to play. Dodgeball. Kickball is another one that would be fun. I was uh, a big, kick, big kickball fan I love in my kickball. Kickball is a very underrated sport because you can bean someone and get them out. I have the kickball game for PC Engine, but I don't know if there's... There's a uh, kickball game? I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll say this, Ian. I made no new friends playing dodgeball. Dodgeball is a very aggressive... High anxiety, like pressure-filled sport. It's hard to come down off of the off of the the high of dodgeball and say, you know, let's just go out and converse calmly. It was fun though. We did go out for beers uh, afterwards a few times. I played with. Um, I made a friend. When I moved here. A, a, a waitress that I made friends with. We we did it uh, there. That was like 2010 or 11. Yeah, when you came and filmed me that one time, that was fun. Uh, for the for that the, was awful. And he's pumping. It was fun. That was weird. It was a good video. It was weird. <laughs> but um, what was the other one going to say? Um. 
axe throwing's big now. It's fucking boring. Um, when I see axe throwing on TV, is that a sport now? Yes, it's, it's on ESPN every weekend. So I, I actually like watching cornhole because there's actually a strategy involved with cornhole, and you can like there's there's two sides to the to the cornhole thing, whatever. You can like drag things or slide. There's actually strategy to cornhole, and it's two on two. It's actually fun. Axe throwing is stupid, and this is why. You see someone good axe throw, they they don't miss the target. Like 9% of the time, they don't miss it. It's not like darts where you're like pinpointing. Axe throwing is just hit the target, you get like six points. And they do it ten times in a row. There's like very little drama involved in axe throwing. See, that's what I was very gonna say. little. I was gonna say darts would be a fun one. Because you is can it? you can you can get weird with darts. Well, like well, like uh, magic but, darts on but the a, NES. But a dart game is all about how do you do the control scheme? Like, like with golf. Like how do sure. you do that? But darts though, it's not like golf, it's like, yeah, you control the swing and where you time it. With darts, it's like the same sort of thing, I guess. It's like, well, how much strength? You know, your aim accuracy is on like a little meter, I guess. You would do uh, horizontal. And vertical. And then you would do a, a power. A you power. know, and then low power, it would arc. Like, yeah. like bow and arrow. Almost. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, okay. That's how you would do it. Is there professional darts on TV ever? I haven't seen it, but you have not seen an axe drawing on ESPN? It's no. like a big thing the last few years. It's like a big... I don't watch like, TV. It's a big hipster thing now. You go out, you drink beers, and you throw axes. I swear to God. Oh, it's, it's like a big um, bachelor party thing, too. It's, it's really weird. Like, I try watching... It, it looks I, like fun, but, uh, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily something I Now, there's another game sport that's come up the past few years. What the hell is it called? It's tag. And it it's an obstacle... Professional tag, it's called. Uh, World Chase Tag. It's an obstacle course... And you're, it's time to catch the tag the person. Um, it's nuts. It's all quick. Um, the, you know, it's it's like half parkour. You like you weave in around objects and you know, it, like uh, like horizontal uh, poles and, and little steps and ramps and things. You, you ever see that before? Yeah, yeah. On TV. I'm not saying that's a big enough thing to do a game. That would be a fun game. But it would be fun regardless. Because in first person, yeah, there's like you you dive and duck under things. You jump around. You see in a video on it. Professional tag? No. Uh, professional tag, your favorite childhood game was now a pro sport. It's only been around for a few years. I saw it on TV once, and it was fascinating because it seemed like um, there is strategy involved in terms of like what, what choices you make and where to go. And again, it's all timed. So I think it's like, you know, how quickly can I get someone, you know, tag them for like points, I guess. And uh, it's, it's interesting. You're watching it? You're, like, you're j- jumping over objects and underneath? No, I, I, I was pulling up something on another sport, too, that I wanted to bring up. That's, that's, that's interesting. I'm going to watch that tag shit It, it looks home. interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many people... Like, the crowd is, like, probably 25 people watching it. Or, sure. Or, not to put it down, but World Chase Tag, it's called. All right, any, any other ones? So, I, it, uh, I was trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I would be remiss not to mention this, since uh, in San Diego, specifically Mission Beach, we have one of, like, we, we are home to a very niche uh like sport uh called over the line okay that's that weird yes it's that baseball softball type thing that gets bitten there's that huge tournament in mission beach every year Yeah, which is a chance for people to just take their clothes off and drink but yes they do the tournament drink and yes and and take their clothes off and and play it's a police academy sort of plot yeah exactly it's uh it's you only need three people per team um, so it's easy to get the game going. Um, but it seems like it might be something that would be amusing as just like a, you know, but it's like a stick, stupid it's game. It's like stickball, kind of. Yeah. But you could do like a beach version of it. You could do like a dead or alive extreme over the line. <laughs> With jiggling parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. 
Just oh. wanted to bring that up. And I just thought of one, and now think about jiggly, jiggly parts. Uh, now it, it, it escaped me. I just thought of one. Damn it! I had a good one in my head, a good sport that we don't see. Oh, it's not a sport. It's athletic, though. Okay, it should be though. How come there's no? Unless it's on Steam, we don't know about. Maybe the virtual fishing people. How come there's no like uh, capture the flag game with like multiplayer online? Oh, there's t- there's got to be. Is there ones where you run after? I people? remember playing uh, one that used to come on shareware discs all the time. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, that wasn't prominent. I, we, we talked about the capture the flag one on, on the show. We talked about that. Yeah. I, I played the share one. You took steps in. I'm talking first person team up in the in the woods like manhunt or capture the flag. That would if be it fun. does not exist. I'd be that. I don't know. That would be fun. I know there's a lot of capture the flag modes for games, but maybe no, no, not, not just, shooting someone yeah. like in the Unreal Tournament. I mean, we're running around, Ian, yeah. and we're going after someone. And then, like, you can use endurance. You can have maybe the ability to hide better versus quicker. You know what I mean? Like, you can have different stats. Yeah. Man, I love playing capture the flag. Wouldn't that be kid. a fun video game, though? It would be. In first person? You can, like, duck under, like, a tree. I was going to say there would have to be some stealth mechanics yes. or something to it. Yeah. You It'd can capture neat. people. You can rescue people out of the, out of the home base. What are we doing, Virtua Fishing Simulator people? It's a gold mine right there. Yep. That, that would be a fun game. I want to play I want to play Capture Play right now. I run in the woods and play. That was the, the most fun thing as a kid. Get your flashlight out. It was, it was really Manhunt. It wasn't really Capture the Flag from what I remember. It was just like one, two, three, Manhunt or whatever. Yeah. And you went into the jail there. Anyway, anything else? Yeah, that, that, we, 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 we hit some good ones, I think. Yeah, I think we're good. Real dodgeball, tag. Um, you you want to do it over the line. <laughs> Extreme, yeah, just an excuse for cartoon they, when, when is over the line? I've never been to one. I always went to one one year. Um, I closed down the window, so I don't know. And so over the line, okay. The first video shows girls in bikinis, of course, from like '94 on YouTube and on '93. It's beach stick ball. It's beach stick ball with like points for how far you, I think, hit. Basically, it, a home run if it, it goes like fur- past the, the furthest, the the furthest like fielder. But yeah. you can catch it. Three for hits now. is a home. Uh, three hits is a run. Uh, you can catch it for it's an out. Stick yeah. ball, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, the pitcher and batter are on the same team. Okay, yes. Uh, but you're like underhanding it to him? Or you, uh, yes, you're not, you're not Okay. No. It's, it's almost like batting practice, kind of. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, when is it When is it coming back? It started in the 50s. Wow. Now this is like my Police Academy deep dive uh, doing this. Over the line tournament. Come out and see me and Ian at our, at our booth at OC Podcast with an over the line. <laughs> Let's see the uh, July, July, July eleventh through twelfth and eighteenth through nineteenth. Two That's weekends, two weekend event. It's a. It's taking. You want to do? You want to field the team this year? It's field no. That, that, I hate the sun. You burn too much. Yeah, or a hat and put on sunscreen. That's what I do. I would. I would say that this take would actually probably be fun, except for the fact that yeah, I just don't like the uh, the sun. Take a lot of Hawaii anthazanthin. It helps uh, build up the tolerance to the sun too. Anyway, okay. All right. Anything else? No. Well, that, was, that was a fun topic. I, I actually good. want to play some of those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have a Q and A on the CU podcast, Ian. We do. This is from at the uh, completely unnecessary account. The unnecessary fan. Come, they're, they're coming at the number one status. We're getting a lot of good questions recently here. Coming at the goat. That ass. Um, at what point does a game cross that fine line between being inspired by an existing game or being a total ripoff? Some people are calling indie game Hako Life an Animal Crossing clone. Yes, and it absolutely looks like it. Um, right down to like arriving via train and uh, writing letters, fishing. 
Uh, the world looks the same. You're in a town. Yeah. Um, you know, we uh, we were kind of asked about this topic uh, once before with the... I don't know if we actually talked about it. I don't think we did, but there was that Enchanted Portals game that was announced. I thought we spoke about that. Um, which is a run-and-gun shooter that is utilizing a rubber hose animation style. Yeah, similar like late 20s, early 30s animation style. Right. And, uh, you know, it's in both instances, it's one thing to obviously take inspiration from, but, yeah, you're leaning pretty close into... Uh, you know, I mean, rubber hose style is not very common. Um, and then you mix it with a run and gun. It looks like it's obviously trying to get some traction off of looking like Cuphead. Well, plus, plus the boss mechanics were similar. Yeah, the boss mechanics were very similar. So, you know, you could have done, uh, and I'm going to get to the Hoka Life in a second. You could have done something like that. You know, that was rubber hose style and even a run and gun. But, you know, it was it was aped so closely that, yes, it's dangerously into that weird knockoff territory. And this Hoko life is kind of that that same thing. It's just, um, so a trailer shows you in the house. You're talking to this bear named Pepper. You're designing, yep. decorating your house. The characters, and I would say this is even even more so. This is closer it. than Enchanted Portals. Yeah, this is than Enchanted Portals was. I mean, the characters look very similar. You are talking. Yeah, it's this is Animal Crossing almost to a T, uh, and they're obviously trying to you know reach that untapped market because Nintendo stuff does not come to PC. Um, I would feel pretty comfortable calling this an Animal Crossing ripoff. Uh, there's room for it, but it's certainly not its own unique thing. So people, this I think goes a little bit beyond inspiration. It's it's, it's a knockoff. Yeah, doesn't mean you can't do it legally. Right, it's a knockoff. It's not. It's beyond inspired by. It's a carbon copy. So um, for me, I think and to, to answer it's the question, be on, it's gonna be on Steam. To answer the question more specifically, I think for me, it comes down to when you are when you have the same gameplay mechanics. And the same art style as something. You can have the same gameplay mechanics as Animal Crossing. Or and, the same art style. Or the same art style. Or something different. Yeah, and not have, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily be a knockoff. For instance, there's a, a, a PC game that was talked about a bit last year. Uh, I played it recently. It's called A Short Hike. And it looks like an Animal Crossing fan game because the graphics look very much like Animal Crossing. But it's a little adventure game. It does enough of its own thing to, you know, not not fall into an Animal Crossing knockoff territory. The gameplay's not the same. But when you take something that has, like, a hyper-specific form of game, a type of gameplay, like Animal Crossing, and then you mimic the art style on top of it, yeah, it's a knockoff. Was there this this much, uh, I don't know much about the different games, but Stardew Valley um, versus Harvest Moon, were people complaining about that when, when that happened? Or was there enough differences that people... I think there was enough differences, you know. and I think also it comes down to, again, um, you know, you're not you're not aping every aspect every single of it. thing right we're taking the genre we're, we're making it our own um yeah this is uh, obviously people downvoted it this trailer has more uh almost as many downvotes as upvotes but then hey it's good publicity for the game because people are now looking at this or we're talking about it because it's a clone right and people might buy it on Steam, and maybe they get their fix on pc and maybe they don't have a switch and but, also there's uh, nothing i mean there's nothing if, if it comes out and it's good and you don't and you can't play Animal Crossing, or you don't want to. And maybe this will do you know its own things. This is an option for you, but yeah, it's hard to get past the fact that it's trying so hard to be everything Animal Crossing in all but name. You make your own uh, clothes in this. Could you make your own mm -hmm. clothes? In, okay. 
Um, you're fishing. We know you can fish in the other one. Wish list on Steam. Um, yeah, this is complicated because uh, they're not doing anything illegal. They're not using any assets of Nintendo. Obviously, Nintendo would shut this down in a half a heartbeat if it was anything even remotely uh, uh, illegal. Nintendo would this would be gone from from the earth. So, um, yeah, it, to me, this is complicated. I, I feel bad when I see these things being done by these companies, and I don't know what else this company has done. I'll look them up on. I'll look them up right now on on Steam. Well, my thing is, I don't want to um, like. I mean, if if if, if they're truly passionate about it and they're having fun i don't want to come off as like rude because i mean there's there could be a lot of hardness this could be coming from a genuine place i just don't see why people would take offense to this when they are then fine with you know uh fans doing like the pokey you know their own pikachu games or pokemon games like how is that better than this when this is at least its own game yes it's a clone but it's not just ripping assets directly from Nintendo, sure. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't square that in my head. Now you, you can make the argument that I always make this argument. It says with the fan games, you have the talent to do this game. You should have the talent to think of something bigger and better, different. Right, and that's what's always frustrating. Think me of when your I say own, this. like, like use a different art style that's a bit more adventurous. That's not so close. This is a one man gang doing this game. Right, on, that's what it looking. says. This is a one man gang. So it's obviously he, obviously this guy loves Animal Crossing, loves it. So why not do the own game? Nintendo's not going to put it on Steam if he doesn't see anyone else. You know the guy's hustling. You know I I can't hate I can't hate the hustle. I just wish to your point he changed it up enough. But then maybe he, he maybe he wants to attract that you know Animal Crossing audience that wants to play it on Steam. I don't know. It's uh it's it's interesting uh, situation. Um, more like this. You go down in The Sims Three Stardew Valley in a game called Temtem. Now, what is that like? Is that is Temtem is an online that was that got a lot. I'm surprised we didn't cover it really. Um, it's an online MMO Pokemon clone. Oh, the intro has some good animation. In yeah, it. good, an, good, good info, good animation. Nice. Graphics. All right, well, don't 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 kill. I would yeah. I would have said to kill this guy. He's not doing anything illegal. Think of it as a glorified fan game that he can sell. You know. And, and don't worry, Nintendo. If, 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 there, if he was doing something wrong, this, like I said, Nintendo would, would cease and desist him yesterday. It would have happened. Oh, yeah. it, it, it would have been gone. Nintendo's not going to be hurting for money from the next uh, Animal Crossing either. They're okay. Right. Here. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, that was an interesting podcast. Yeah. We got the limited t shirt at ultimatenintendo.com alongside the. Uh, Alongside the uh, the uh, CU podcast enamel pins, and I sold the wristband last week. Ian. I'm down to like 20 wristbands left, and you said I'd never sell them all. It took like six years, but I'm getting there. Six to seven years, closer to seven. Hey, eight. I'll do an updated one. I'll do an updated one uh, for for the wristband. Anyway, all right. So uh, yeah, this is fun. I got to do some editing. How long was this podcast? You said, Ian. Hour and 37 minutes. Hour 30. Yeah. All right. We have our internal clocks. We're like cats. Yeah. John and I are really good on the Extra Napkins podcast. It always wraps up at about an hour and three minutes. I told you about my weird mutant power is telling time, right? Yes. I know how much time passes. It's it's weird. That that and uh, that is, and I, I can see well in the dark. I don't know. If, I don't know if other people can see well as well, but I, I see pretty well in the dark. Maybe I, I can I'm, eat a lot of cookies. Maybe I am a cat. Maybe. Anyway, all, right, all that's, right, that's Ian. That's me. I'm Pat. Go check out Not For Resale. Get it some clicks. Oh, uh, uh, please review it on Amazon if you've seen it. Um, there's some weird reviews on Amazon. I'm not telling you people to, to, 
downvote uh, reviews, but like literally, it's like, oh, this was a plus four stars. Like it's like stuff like that that you can't explain. <laughs> and, and you know, and sometimes there's weird uh, reviews where it's like they wanted the movie to be something else, so it's like a, a strike against the movie. So it's like ah, I see the point, but you know, why don't you re- review what what's there? That'd be nice. Anyway. That's Ian. I'm Pat. We'll see you in a week. For the 200th. 200th. Next week. Uh, Send us a message on Twitter. I'll put out a hashtag about what are your favorite moments of the past 100 episodes versus the past 200. Because the past 200 can go on forever. Yes. All right. See ya. Bye.